0: Acts 9, verses 1 through 20, the conversion of Saul. Meanwhile, Saul stood breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, "Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me?" He asked, "Who are you, Lord?" The reply came, "I'm Jesus who you're persecuting, but get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do." Then men who were traveling with the men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight." At the, house of Judah, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying and he has seen a vision. A man named Ananias came in and lay. The man named Ananias came in and laid his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, "Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests." to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word.
1: That's oh. Thank you, Jason, very much for that, and Tyler for your accompaniment. Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning with verse 19. It's the text that appears every year, the Sunday after Easter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you after he said this he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord Jesus said to them peace be with you as the Father has sent me so I send you when he had said this he breathed on them and said to them receive the Holy Spirit if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven them if you retain the sins of any they are retained but Thomas who's called the twin Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out and put your hand in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing you may have life in His name. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. You, O Lord, are attuned to the desires of our hearts. Your Spirit knows what we need to hear. So whatever other ramblings the preacher happens to be making, may Your Spirit speak to our hearts. And may we hear the message that You desire for us. That we might know You are the Messiah, the Son of God, and that salvation is in Your name. The name in which we pray. Amen. I got to tell you, last week's Easter Sunday was exactly the tonic that my heart needed. The brass with the choir and with the hymns, the praise team's great Easter selection, the time for children with the eggs. It was wonderful. You missed it? Oh, you, you had to be there. Olivia and Chris Hine did this little thing where they brought the communion table up and a chair. They they didn't use the great big communion table because all the music stuff is in the way. They used the the little one over to the side and they brought it out here along with a chair from from the communications room. And Olivia had eggs and the kids were supposed to ask Chris questions about the Bible. And if he got the answer right, the egg would be broken into a bowl. And if he got the answer wrong, the egg would be smashed on his head. Um, and so they, they were here and, and they had four eggs and so there were four questions and the, and the first one was, uh, uh, what are the occasions that animals spoke in the Bible? And I thought, okay, this is a tough one, Chris, it was, it was, there, were, there were two occasions and Chris said, well, there's the, the one about the donkey that spoke. And he didn't tell the story, but the story is about Balaam who was riding his donkey to go bless the Moabite army and the Moabite army was actually rising up against the Israelites when they were in the wilderness and God told Balaam don't bless the enemy of God's people but Balaam said now there's a big reward if I do so he gets on his donkey and he's riding to the king of the Moabites and there's a huge angel that appears in the middle of the road with a sword except Balaam can't see the angel the donkey can so the donkey stops walking and Balaam gets off the donkey and starts smacking him with a stick and the donkey reluctantly lets him get on again, but he goes up a couple more paces. The angel's still there, and he you know, rubs up against the wall. It's an area where two cliffs are on either side, and he smashes Balaam's foot, and Balaam's really mad, and he smacks him again, and the donkey goes a couple more, and then just sits down. So Balaam gets out and says, If I had a sword, I would just kill you right now. And Balaam says, Knock it off! There's an angel in the road! Okay? And so Balaam sees the angel and says, oops, sorry. Uh, he doesn't actually in the Bible apologize to the donkey, but I bet he did in real life. In any case, that was the first one. The second one was, of course, the snake in the garden talking to Eve. Uh, well, anyway, I guess he had to be there. So as the kids came up with the questions, that one Chris got right, so the egg got broken into the bowl, you know. Um, there was another one, What are the first four books of the Bible called. It's actually the first five books of the Bible called, but it's annoying for the pastor to interrupt and say, you know. It's the Pentateuch. Didn't you didn't want an egg on your Yeah, you keep an egg off your face. That's the way church is supposed to run. There we go. So I got that one right. Another one in the bowl. There was another question. I, I don't remember, and I, I didn't go back and listen to the recording, but in any case, the third one went into the bowl. because And then the last one was, what page of the Bible does the resurrection appear on? And of course, you know, what page of the Bible, you know, Chris was thinking, okay, scroll, you know, how many pages are in a scroll, he was really trying, but in any case, he didn't have the answer, so um, it was time for the egg to get smashed on his head, and so the, Olivia looks way too gleeful at this moment, and takes takes the fourth egg and puts it on his head, and whacks it, and there's nothing, and well, anyway, I guess he had to be there. Um, so... When he ends up not getting egg on his head, that was actually really quite enjoyable for our Easter service, and it was one part of the kids were all sitting up here. We had a lot of flowers. There were tons of lilies and tons of tulips. I think more than we've ever had in Easter, at least since I've been here. Um, it's it's too bad if you weren't here because it was really 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 beautiful. You should have come last Sunday because uh, the chancel looked great last Sunday, um, and uh, and this Sunday. Well, I guess you had to be here. In any case, uh, oh, and the congregational singing. Now, that third question that was asked, uh, Chris, I had an out for you on that, but I really wanted to see you get egg on your head. And the, and the out was, as you'd say, oh, the resurrection is writ upon every page of Scripture. That would have that worked, and maybe, but you probably already knew, maybe knew, that there was nothing in the fourth egg, so uh, there you go. Um, it was seriously... Funny, Um, I guess you had to be there. No matter what church I've served, no matter what the community happens to be, um, there are these moments for which I arrived too late. Every congregation, wow, boy, you should have been here when dot, dot, dot. Our museum museum committee is in the process of cataloging a whole bunch of those you-had-to-be-here moments. I understand that back in 1963 when they dedicated this sanctuary, the church had been worshiping at Cossett School. And when they were going to come and dedicate the sanctuary, they processed from the Cossett School to the to the elm door in order to come down the center aisle, all the people that had been over at Cossett. And I'm told they processed behind that very cross that was carried and then brought once everybody was in the sanctuary and plomped down into the hole there in the chancel. And there it has been to this day. Um, I, you, I'm told that you, you, you just had to be there. But I wasn't. I was two. I was in Omaha. There were these Easter Sundays, I am told, that the church was so packed that we had to put extra chairs in the aisle. I have kind of, you know, told people about how great the attendance was last week and more than one person says, oh, (laughs) I remember when we had to put chairs in the aisles. I pointed out we could have put chairs in the aisles if that's all you need is a bunch of extra folding chairs to make it a great Easter. Uh, But evidently I'm told that there were 17 packed services every Easter Sunday and they went for three hours each. And the children choir sang and the sanctuary choir came in on cables and 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 they, they hoisted them up and all the way down, then they'd land into their spot, into the balcony pew. When I had my first church in Morgan Park, it was Christmas Eve that I could never live down back when William Graham was pastor, Dr. Graham, not that William Graham, Dr. Graham was pastor. I was told that they had four Christmas Eve services and there were six 100 people? I was pastor at Morgan Park Presbyterian Church for their centennial, and so to celebrate, we flew Dr. Graham and his wife up from, uh, from Florida, uh, William and Helen Graham. And uh, when we were talking about the centennial celebration and his years as pastor, he took me aside and he said, I don't know what nonsense they're telling you, but there's no way we had 600 people at any point in a sanctuary that seats 220 very skinny people. It wasn't that amazing. I was very grateful for his pointing that out. But there is something about the past that can overwhelm the present. And our story of Thomas and our story of the Apostle Paul are reminders that nothing, and I mean nothing about the Gospel of Christ, is confined to the past the ten disciples told Thomas you just had to be there and he wasn't he missed it and so he didn't believe you had one chance Thomas one chance and you blew it and if you want to hear my thoughts about Thomas you can go back and look at the last two Sundays after Easter where I did plays about the disciples in the upper room and Thomas's twin brother Um, That's all I have to say about that. I guess you had to be there. But what happened? What happened? The following week, (laughs) Jesus showed up. Thomas didn't miss out. Jesus came the next time and said, peace be with you. And the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was a little kid when Jesus was crucified and rose and buried. Probably not even bar mitzvahed yet. But a year goes by or so and he never saw the risen Lord. But on the road to Damascus, Jesus came and appeared to him. Now, Don't get me wrong, I am a firm believer in the power of history. I believe in the usefulness of memory. I heartily endorse the work of our museum committee to catalog and curate the past of this congregation. But the best museum experiences are not those that glorify the past as somehow better than our present or future could ever be. The best museum experiences are the ones that when you emerge from them, you're excited about the present and you're enthusiastic about the future It reminds us that those who came before built something that had not been built before and that inspires us to that same possibility. The fact that we used to have a great museum is one of the things that the current museum has to wrestle with. I think there's no small amount of irony in that. The purpose of memory is not to make us long for the past the purpose of memory is to give us strength for the present and hope for the future. I'm sorry to use this illustration but my present reality is immersed in the science of defeating oncogenic process. It's occupying every moment of Danny and my home lives right now. And you want to know something that I have not heard a doctor say? Not one doctor, when we have sat down in their office or after an exam or a test, has said, oh, you know, it's so bad you didn't come here in the past. That's when we really had good medicine. If you could have come to our hospital with cancer in the 1960s, boy, we really would have done a great job then. No doctor says ever. They don't feel intimidated by the fact that they were a good hospital for their time at that time. They're just really pleased about what they can do now. I think that's one of the reasons why we put so much trust in medical science and in technology. Because it's constantly telling us, that we have something wonderful today and we're going to do something even more amazing tomorrow. The church can learn from that. I've not heard anyone say, wow, I wish I still had a dial phone landline. They reminisce about how it being kinda cool and a bit of a retro novelty, but I'll tell you, the amount of cord you needed to be able to talk on the phone in your car was amazing. (laughs) And so if you come to church thinking about your faith as something that was so much better in the past, we are telling the Thomases and the Apostle Pauls that they are too late. It'll never be that good again. Too bad for you. Here's a scrapbook. Flip through it while I go make you some tea. I've staked my life and my career on the fact that the risen Lord appears to us today and will be present for us tomorrow and the day after that. Our faith, like medicine, builds on the heroic, groundbreaking work of the past, but should never be permitted to be idolized as somehow God cannot or will not be present in our future. God is with us this Sunday and next Sunday. There's nothing Christian about making something great again. Don't hear that as political. Please stick with me as theological. There is nothing Christian about making something great again that thought does terrible damage to the future and to the present as well as the past to say that we need to be great again is declaring the present as a disaster i guess you had to be there you missed it It's all been downhill from there. Is there any wonder why our children and youth are struggling with feelings of depression and inadequacy? Every public-facing stance is telling them that they were born too late for hope. What are we doing to their present And what are we telling them about their future when we say that our glory days are only behind us? There's nothing, Christian, about looking to the past as a template that we need to recreate. None of Danny's doctors are out this morning in a swamp looking for really good leeches. I'm happy for that. If we say we have to be great again, then we not only declare that the present is some kind of disaster and that there's nothing worth having that we somehow had in the past, but we also begin to have to tell little lies about the past in order to make it great. Is it any wonder why history is being attacked? If history wasn't flawless, and wonderful, and perfect, and great, then we can't look to the past as a projection for our future. So we have to clean it up. We have to whitewash it. It wasn't that bad back then. Just a little curious piece about architecture. Do you you ever wonder why the plantations in the South were built in neoclassical style? Big columns with grand little corbels around them. You ever wonder why that that architectural style? Well, it was colonial architecture is what it was called. The architecture of the colonists who came to this continent from Europe. And they built in that style. Why did they build in that style? Because they were trying to reclaim the great democracy of the classical age. Athenian democracy, that's what they were grabbing onto. Athenian democracy that if you even read three paragraphs of Plato, you know relied upon a massive slave class. It subtly seeps into everything we do and we build when we begin to say that the past, now that was a good time when Dr. Graham told me that Morgan Park Presbyterian Church did not have 600 people on Christmas Eve, he did tell me something else after our worship service for the centennial. He told me that back in Christmas Eve when he was pastor, every single man, woman, boy, and girl in that church was white. And on the centennial, only about 55% were white. He told me that was something I thought I'd Never see. Our ability to recreate the past calls us to pull forth a past that never was. But while there's wisdom in the past, in order for it to be helpful to us, we have to declare that God truly exists in the present, in our present. That the risen Lord stands before us like He stood before the disciples on Easter night, and a week later for Thomas, and then the go- and the road to Damascus for Paul. Christ was here last Sunday. Christ is here this Sunday. I don't know when your glory days were. I don't know what era causes your heart to swoon. But I want you to know something about your past, as great as it was. You've got today. You've got today. And this, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen please stand and speak with me the words of the affirmation of our faith in the apostles creed i believe in god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the holy ghost born of the virgin mary suffered under pontius pilate was crucified dead and buried he descended into hell the third day he rose again he sent it into heaven and sitteth on the